Hello and welcome to Shook Shorts. I'm Solicitor Alison Newstead and I'm speaking to you today from Shook's London office. We're a global defence firm with a focus on protecting our consumer product clients and we are extremely well positioned to discuss what's happening at the moment with the European Union's revision of the Product Liability Directive and legislative proposals to address liability arising from the use of artificial intelligence or AI. Joining me today to discuss are two of my colleagues, Leo Fielding and Vitor Castro. Perhaps you can both introduce yourselves and tell us what you do for Shook. Thanks, Alison. My name is Leo Fielding. I'm a counsel in Shook's London office, and my practice includes coordinating the defence of product litigation and regulatory cases, as well as commercial disputes, including class actions and arbitrations. I also give regulatory advice with a particular focus on consumer products. Hello, and I am Vitor Castro. I'm qualified as a solicitor here in England, Wales, and also licensed to practice in Brazil. Had a vast experience working with commercial disputes, both in domestic courts and international arbitration. Thanks, Vitor and Leo. Um, so let's unpack this pretty interesting topic. Um, the world we live in today is obviously not the world of 40 years ago, the, the world in which the uh, product liability what directive was drafted. And consumers now have the choice of a myriad of technically advanced and digital products. And often these are connected and some even have AI um, capabilities. Those drafting the 1985 directive really couldn't have foreseen the advancements in technology um, or the, the new types of loss that might arise from failures of these new types of, of technology. And until recently, though, I think the Product Liability Directive has really stood the test of time. It's been evaluated every five years and um, every five years in the past 40 years, um, up until recently, um, the prevailing opinion has been, yes, the Product Liability Directive and its principles and how it's working, everything is fit for purpose and it can continue to be used in the EU. But I think we've been seeing that judges across the member states have been um, interpreting its provisions more and more creatively as technology has advanced. And there was the train of thought that judges could continue to do that. Um, but I think the uncertainty and the um, EU's desire that consumers do have effective redress for all types of technology um, and all types um, of new types of um, loss potentially um, would necessitate a refresh of the directive and perhaps the introduction of other complementary legislation, in this case in the form of the Artificial Intelligence Liability Directive or the AILD. So, as I say, we've got this new um, directive um, in the AILD and the revision of the Product Liability Directive. So, Leo, um, perhaps we can start with you. Um, do you want to comment on what's driving these changes to modernise the EU's product liability rules? As far as the factors that are driving uh, the creation of the new product liability rules, I think one of the key factors has been the need to deal with what are perceived shortcomings in the existing rules, and in particular, the uncertainty about what kinds of digital products and businesses and types of harm might be captured by the scope of the rules. And that includes, for example, how the rules might apply to products such as software updates, and who 
would be potentially liable if a business changes a product that's already on the market? Would it be the manufacturer or would it be a party that's further down the supply chain who reconditions the product, for example? In terms of the factors driving the new AI directive, I think these have been in part um, a desire to try to clarify for business what um, the rules are in terms of the extent of their liability um, to try to harmonise the rules across Europe so that um, the national regimes don't splinter off and also just to try to reduce the obstacles that consumers feel they face in trying to prove a claim that involves an AI system. That's a very good point. And on top of that, I would add that the modernization of the product liability rules is associated with the need to take into consideration the current circular economy model. And that means when the lifespan of the product is extended by reselling used or refurbished products. So the new product liability rules fill this gap to regulate such situations and avoid circumstances in which consumers and manufacturers are left with no clear guidance on how they should proceed if a product has been modified or if the damage has occurred after the product refurbishment. It is also worth noting that these new rules provide some guidance in a digitally driven economy. So they bring legal certainty to consumer transactions that are concluded digitally via electronic portals. So these new rules pave the way to protect consumers who otherwise would have no solid grounds to pursue compensation for damage. Thanks, Vitor. Um, so let's move on and talk for a minute about the overarching issues, the proposed um, AI liability directive and the um, revised product liability directive seek to address and um, if and how they, they complement each other. Um, I think it's worth pointing out here that um, the AI liability directive has recently been put on hold so that the EU can work through the detail of the proposed AI directive. But let's proceed on the basis that we're going to see developments in this area um, and developments in um, AI liability and that it's going to remain a focus for the um, EU, which, I, which I'm sure it will be. Um, so at a high level, um, both directives seek to provide clarity and address legal uncertainty in what we, what is really a, a more technologically complex world and where we're going to see harm caused by digital and AI products and services. So it's the kind of digital services and tangible goods that we're now, um, seeing, um, to be the focus of product liability claims. Um, and the, the real takeaway, I think, is that um, the new PLD um, aims to clarify which products will be covered by strict liability principles and who may be held li liable for the damage arising. Um, so we have new players that we're going to see um, not previously covered by the product liability regime being faced with liability claims. I think that's a real big takeaway. And clarification as to which types of um, uh, products fall within the remit of the product liability liability directive. Um, and I think also we're going to see the, the fact that the product liability directive modifies existing evidential burdens when products are considered technically and scientifically complex. Um, EU legislators really are very keen to ensure that consumers have an adequate means of address for all technologies, um, in particular in relation to those supplied from outside the EU, because that really has been 
an issue that's caused problems for consumers um, uh, more recently. Um, in terms of the AILD, the Artificial Intelligence Liability Directive, that um, complements existing liability regimes um, in the member states of the EU by providing a specific framework for damage caused by AI. So by introducing specific rules on evidence and causation for harm caused by AI systems, those bringing fault-based um, AI claims should really not be at a disadvantage to those who are advancing claims concerning non-AI technologies. I might add that both the Product Liability Directive and the Artificial Intelligence Liability Directive sets out a framework for excellence interest in artificial intelligence systems and software, ensuring that consumers can obtain compensation if they are victims of software or artificial intelligence-related damage. So my understanding is that these new rules also create an incentive for business that rely on artificial intelligence to enhance their models and deliver state-of-the-art services and products that are safe for end users. And I think I should clarify here that the safety of consumers includes obviously protection against cybersecurity vulnerabilities and the leaking of personal data. So the challenges posed by technology demand revised rules, not just a mere adaptation. And for me, that's the overarching issue for the proposed revised rules. I would say that the product and the AI directives are closely linked and form part of a package of measures um, that are both designed to support the uptake of new digital technologies, um, but also address what are perceived as being the risks that are associated with them. I think the fundamental difference for me between the product directive and the AI directive is that they deal with different types of liability. So the product directive covers claims for no-fault liability, whereas the AI directive uh, deals with claims under fault-based liability rules. So rules that require a claimant to prove that somebody's fault caused their loss. The other difference, of course, is that the product directive covers damage caused by defective products generally, whereas the AI directive focuses on damage caused by an AI system. And I think the fact that they cover separate but related types of liability is deliberate. They're meant to complement each other uh, in supporting the uptake and rollout of these new technologies. So moving on to the... Um AI liability directive to focus on that a bit more closely um, and looking at uh, how the provisions of the directive aim to tackle some of the liability challenges arising um, in connection with AI. I think um, let's have a look at that and then also perhaps we can discuss and have your comments, Leo and Vitar, on how, uh, how you'd characterise the business community's reaction to the pro proposed revisions. Um, because Looking at this, um, you know, from a high level, AI systems can be incredibly complex. And it seems to me that EU legislators want the same level of protection for those who suffer damage as a result of AI as those who suffer damage from other types of, of technology. And I think it's recognised by legislators and um, those assisting people bringing claims that the cost of bringing AI-related action could really be prohibitive for many claimants. Um, so as a result, we can see in the proposed AILD um, the introduction of certain measures 
in fault-based actions, which um, facilitate claimants in bringing AI-related claims. So we've got, firstly, um, the introduction of a rebuttable presumption of causation if specific um, conditions are met. So that's um, really something new. And secondly, there's also the fact that national courts are given the power to order disclosure of evidence in cases where high-risk AI is alleged to have caused damage. And um, this is a relatively new concept in in some jurisdictions, um, civil jurisdictions, particularly where widespread disclosure um, isn't customary. And in terms of how industry um, are reacting to the uh, proposal, the AILD proposal, I think there is a concern that it may hinder innovation. But um, there's also this balancing of having the protection for consumers um, really ensuring that there is consumer trust in AI, ensuring that consumers are willing to take on products which are AI um, enabled. Um, so I think there's that balance to be drawn between hindering innovation, but also gaining trust of consumers to make sure that um, they will um, use these types of products. So I think this is um, the benchmark where the legislators are really starting from. So um, Leo, what, what's your thoughts on this? Yeah, they're all good points, Alison. And I would add that I think many of these AI systems have features that make it pretty tricky as a consumer to identify what the fault is and then to go on to prove a link between the fault that you've identified and the damage that you've suffered. And I think there are lots of different reasons for that. Um, you could point to the decision-making of the AI product and the lack of transparency in how it goes about making its decisions, the fact that its behaviour is autonomous to some extent, that there's a degree of continuous adaptation uh, to its programming and to some extent a, a limited degree of predictability as to um, what actions it might take. The AI directive itself deals with these challenges essentially by easing the burden of proof for claimants, um, and in particular by granting rights of disclosure and creating what it calls a rebuttable presumption of causation. And what does that mean? Well, essentially the AI directive um, creates a presumption that if certain uh, conditions are satisfied, um, a causal link between the fault and the damage will be established. And that relieves the claimant of the burden of having to explain how the AI system produced the result that it produced. It also gives the courts, you know, the power to order disclosure of evidence about certain high risk systems that are suspected of having caused damage. And in the consultations that I've seen with businesses, they haven't been surprised by the use of these tools on the basis that many of them are familiar anyway from their use in existing national systems. Those are very interesting remarks. Well, in my opinion, the main challenge in any artificial intelligence related dispute is to prove that damage has been caused by the system in question. I mean, in view of the complexity of the artificial intelligence systems, establishing causation poses a potentially significant burden on consumers. 
and accepting that uh, causality can be presumed in certain cases provides a simplified procedural pathway to claimants as it removes a potential barrier to accessing compensation. So it will be interesting to see how the courts will apply this principle in order to avoid creating an unbalanced system for developers of new technologies. Indeed. Thank, thanks, Vitor. So, Moving on, let's let's turn to look um, at how the revised legislation will adapt existing product liability rules to address new types of products and services such as advanced software systems and advanced machinery. Um, what we are going to see with the new product liability directive is the wholesale replacement rather than the revision of the directive. But that said, the underlying strict liability principles that we see in the current product liability directive will remain the same. So, Courts are still going to examine the issues of defect, causation and damage. Those three elements are key when looking at liability and product liability claims. But the range of products and the range of economic operators that fall within the scope of the product liability directive is going to significantly widen. So we're going to see both tangible and digital products covered by the new um, product liability directive. So hardware manufacturers, software producers, Providers of digital services um, that affect how a product works will now fall within the remit of the product liability directive, but also digital manufacturing files, um, firmware, computer programs, apps, all of those will be included as well as AI systems and AI enabled products. So clarification there given as to what types of technology are going to fall within the product liability directive. Um, so new players who haven't previously been the um, subject of product liability claims might now be facing um, claims. So changes that are made to products after they're placed on the market, such as software updates and digital learning and machine learning, will also fall within the product liability directive scope. Um, and also, interestingly, where digital services affect the safety of the product, they will also fall within the uh, new regime, even though the new product liability directive will not apply to other, other services. So some real, real changes there. If you look at the legal principles of the revised legislation, the test that's applied in determining whether a product's defective, in other words, whether it provides the safety that the public at large is entitled to expect, that's remained substantially the same as under the existing rules. So not much has changed on that front. However, there are updates that have been introduced to accommodate the use of technologically advanced products. Um, as you mentioned, Alison, the definition of product itself has been revised. So it now includes software and things like digital manufacturing files, like those that you use for 3D printing. The other point that stands out is that the list of factors that the courts look at when they're examining defects has been updated to include certain attributes of digital products. Um, like, for example, um, their interconnectedness or their self-learning functions. And I think for me, one of the most significant changes that's being introduced is um, the idea that defects in causation will be assumed or presumed in certain situations. Um, one of those situations being where the court thinks that otherwise it would be simply too difficult for the claimant to establish their claim um, because of the scientific or technical complexity of the case. 
So you see, the original product liability directive was enacted in 1985. And back then, the concept of liability was different than the liability that is defined in today's digitalized society. So it's different context. And therefore, access by consumers to global supply chain was completely different and more limited. So in order to accommodate the changes that we have seen since the original enactment of the product liability directive mean that the rules need to expand in scope. So in addition to the presumptions of defect and causation that have been widely applied in France, the new rules extend its strict liability regime to online purchase platforms. And the aim of that is to cover more modern consumer relations between manufacturers, retailers, resellers, and in users. Another point of attention is that damage to property now includes also loss or compromise of data. So this is the recognition of the status that data has acquired in the past decade and an issue that was not regulated in the original directive. Thanks, Vitor. So as we wrap up today, let's have final thoughts on whether the revised product liability rules are going to be sufficient to achieve their objective. What are your predictions, both of you, for the future of AI-related product liability in, in Europe? I'd be interesting to hear that. And from my point of view, I think while the new product liability directive has arguably gone further than some expected in promoting a kind of a claimant-friendly regime with the presumptions of defect and causation and adding psychological injury um, as a head of recoverable damage, which we haven't seen in some jurisdictions before, I think um, it really remains to be seen whether what is finally implemented, because remember, this is still a proposal, but what's finally implemented, let's think about whether it does this new directive strike this balance between interests of industry and consumers, because that's what the European Commission originally intended. And I'd be very interested to see if um, that balance is achieved. When you're thinking about whether the new AI regime is likely to achieve its goals. One of the points that I come back to is the one of harmonization. And I think it's ironic to some extent that despite the AI director's objective of um, equalizing rules across Europe, it's likely that national rules governing these systems will continue to fragment um, because certain key issues are still left to member states' rules to determine issues like the standard of proof that's necessary to establish a breach of duty and things like the types of damage that are recoverable. So it may be that um, despite the goal of harmonising rules, um, these rules will continue to diverge into the future. This is a very good question. So my perception is that both the new product liability directive and the artificial intelligence liability directive look to strengthen the protection of consumer rights. So in other words, these new rules are designed in such a way that a high standard is demanded from businesses that develop and market these sophisticated product technologies and artificial intelligence systems. And although some of these rules appear to present an imbalance between the burden that's placed on companies defending claims and the consumers bringing them as these rules are drafted. Uh, 
they intend to actually push businesses to create a framework of excellence in an area that's still under development. And we also have to learn the lessons from the past. So when the original Product Liability Directive was enacted, the consumer industry also had loads of criticism to the new rules. But time has proven that setting out these rules could be beneficial for both consumers and businesses. So the domestic courts will continue to play a relevant role in defining how the application of these rules will assist in creating a safe environment for the deployment of new product technologies. As we already know, product liability has been developed by court rulings and the implementation of the new rules is likely to follow the same path. That's at least my opinion at the moment. Okay, well, thanks very much, Vitor and Leo. Um, Very interesting discussion today. Thank you for your insights and comments. Um, For those listening, we have also written about this topic and you can read more about it in our recent article in the Corporate Disputes magazine, which is going on our website. So please have a look at that for more detail. Thank you for joining us. decision and should not be based on advertising. The information in this podcast is for informational purposes only, and it's not intended to be any kind of legal advice. Thank you. Thanks, Vitor. So as we wrap up today, let's have final thoughts on whether the revised product liability rules are going to be sufficient to achieve their objective.